I, uh, the other day I met someone that the other day <laughs> was maybe two years ago uh, <laughs> in, in the US, in LA. And it was someone that I met that I said that because it was a friend of so it was the, the boyfriend of a friend of Solen. And I was like, oh my God, why am I going to talk to this guy? I, 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 I didn't feel like like uh, like doing small small talk. And then he comes and hey, I'm Nicola. He put his phone there and the first thing is a Manchester United logo in his, in his, in his um, phone. I was like, oh, you like football? He was British, by the way. Oh, yeah. The moment he liked football and he knew about football, we spoke the whole night. I, did, I forgot Solène and her friend were there. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this very special edition of Across the Line with me, Chris Greatwich. And on today's episode, we have Argentinian superstar Nico Bozico. Nico talks to us about his time growing up in Argentina, his fond memories playing in a professional game here with Kaya FC, and his hopes and dreams for his young daughter as she embarks on a future career playing football here in this country. If you like this episode, please make sure that you subscribe to us on YouTube, like us and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and make sure you download this episode on Apple Podcasts and on Spotify. Without further ado, here comes this episode on your Football Friday with Nico Bolzica. Hello, everybody, and welcome to a very special edition of Across the Line. Today on the show, we have got Argentina's finest export. I know what you're thinking. Have we got Lionel Messi on the show? No, we have not. We've got the next best thing. We have got Nico Bolzico on the show. How are you, pal? Hello, brother. How are you? I'm good, mate. I'm good. Uh, how's, how's fatherhood treating you? You look a little bit tired, mate. Uh, yes, I'm not sleeping as much as I used to. I, you know, I haven't woke up. I haven't woke up after six. I think the latest I woke up in the last nine months was I think six fourteen, because the mm. slept a bit more than six. So yeah, enjoying a lot, but you know, it's a lot of work. I mean, you never told me the, the parent the parenting was this hard. No, and it doesn't get any easier, by the way. <laughs> uh, so yeah, don't don't think that it's going to get any easier. Now I've got two. Um, in fact, actually, I'm going to say to you now the second one. If you decide to have a second one is worse second one is worse um and yeah and as you know in my family they progressively get worse you know as the brothers roll out so you know any siblings that you have hereafter i'm anticipating based on my experience it's only going to go downhill buddy so it's, it's just going to get worse i'm sorry i'd love okay, to say so we stop we stop the plan for the second for now then okay cool sounds sounds good but um thanks for coming on i know we wanted to get you on the show uh back end of last year but we ran into some issues obviously uh, with you becoming a father but not totally understandable but you know since the pandemic's hit we've done a lot of these you know a lot of a lot of people have obviously been a lot more um yeah have a lot of time on their hands so we've had a lot of opportunity to reach out to different people and listen you know you, you've gone from this guy who used to pick me up in his ford ranger on the way to training to this fully blown superstar now i'll see every every billboard every restaurant that i want to eat in so there's a lot that's happened kind of in between you, the footballer that I know, and, and what we now see today. But I, I don't really know too much about your sort of backstory. And I guess we know you as a media personality, but, you know, we don't really have the opportunity to sit down and know a little bit more about you in terms of your background. So this is this for me is one of the reasons why we did this podcast was to get to know uh, a little bit more about the character behind, in your case, the footballer and the, and the personality um, and, and try to show perhaps a, a different side of you. So. That's that's really what we're hoping for today. Um, with all our guests, we typically start from the beginning, mate. So we, we go back to the beginning. So what, what was it like for you grow, growing up in Argentina as a young kid? So in Argentina, I'm not from Buenos Aires. That's pretty much the only city that everyone knows. Um, I'm actually from the same province, uh, province as Messi. Messi is from Rosario. Rosario is the biggest city of Santa Fe, the province of Santa Fe. And I am from Esperanza. Esperanza is basically, I think today we're 40... 42 to 43,000 people, so it's very, very small. Rosario is 1 million, so just to give you some, some comparison. And where I grew up, specifically in Esperanza, there was in a house my neighbor was five kilometers away. So I was really born in the farm. Like, you know, in the back of my house, there were horses and, and calves. On the, on, the left, on the left was the, you know, um, warehouses with seeds to be planted, and there was my house there. So I come from... I don't come from the very farmer heart of Argentina. So it's, if you wanted to put it in a way, it's more or less like, okay, in the States, like my province would be Iowa, you know, more <laughs> or less. Just, just, just for, to give you a comparison. 
So that's exactly where I'm coming from. Yeah. So obviously, how, how does that sort of tie into your, your football? Because obviously, I, I first met you as, as a footballer. That's how I, I knew you. I know you're very passionate about football. So how did that sort of spawn your love for the game? Because obviously, if you're from such a rural area, like how, how did that work with the dynamic of not having anyone in the vicinity of where you lived? So football, like, you know, in Argentina and also, you know, where you, where you come from, it's, it's really it's more like culture. It's like it's really part of absolutely every day. So I think, you know, football started with, with your dad. Uh, watching football since I have memory. I don't remember the first football game I watched, but me and my dad and my brothers were watching every single game, especially of the Argentine league. Um, in school, when you have um, physical education classes, it's basically you play football, you just divide the, <laughs> the, 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 the class in two. And I mean, we were, I think, 60, so it was like four teams. Uh, every break that you have at school, you play football uh, in, in you know the 15, 20 minutes uh, break that you have. Um, and it's kind of like you grew up with that sport in the afternoon, you play football. It's kind of like it's part of your lifestyle it's not like no okay let's or you, you you know that we'll play especially where i'm coming from because it's the farm we, we always in a small community we always get together and there's so much greenery so you to play football you need four t-shirts to make two goalies and a football that's it and whoever is there you will play so it, it's really part of the of, of the of the culture and in where i'm from in in santa fe so you have esperanza and 40 kilometers away from esperanza is the capital of santa fe that is also called santa fe that's where two teams from the first division of Argentina um, are based. So it's Colón and Unión. And I was a Colón supporter. Um, when I say Colón supporter, the stadium is for 40,000 people. It's, it's a big deal. You know, Boca Juniors play there, River Plate plays there. So I, it's a bit dangerous in Argentina to go to the stadium uh, because it's really intense. I mean, this, you know, I, I remember going. I, I think the first time I went there was... When my, my team was in second division when the first time I went, I think I was 12 because before that my dad didn't want to bring me because it's too intense. <laughs> I mean, I, I have a, you know, that, you know, you have police with horses controlling people like that, you know, level of intensity mm -hmm. and, you know, the, the fire things, all that. And, there, and then at that time there were no uh, seats. So you're standing. You know, in Europe you have seats all around the stadium. In Argentina that didn't happen till maybe seven, eight years ago. Before that, you have seats in one area that is called the VIP, and the other is, imagine some stairs made of, of concrete, and we all stand there. And when you all stand there, it gets so packed, and everything is jumping and moving. So, like, you grow up going there, and then you start feeling football, and it's like, you become such a, like, a fan. You support that team, and then, you know, if your team wins and the other one loses, you have the whole week making fun of the others, and if the opposite, you don't want to see the other because they will make fun of you. And it becomes like, you know, it's, it's really part of your lifestyle. It's not something like, oh, let's, let's play tennis today. And you do, you play twice a week. No, football, it's in your life every single day growing up. And of course, every time I, I, I left Argentina when I was 23, 24, um, the first thing I do, and I live in different countries for, for work before living in the Philippines, I think it was maybe 10 different countries. And the first thing I do in the country is to see where I can play football. That's the first thing I do. Like, who plays football here? And where I can play, and I and and I mean it's how I, I actually made, you know, that's how I relate with people in the country that I go playing football. That's how I make friends. That's how we become friends, right? Yeah, I mean it's quite interesting you say that because I want to talk a little bit about the culture because when you sort of think about South American football, you you probably think about a more I think there's a, there's a traditional South American style which and I don't think Argentina necessarily has that. It's it's a sort of a more of a hybrid of a South American and european style like they have they have their flair players they have their creative players like you would in like a brazil or as you know some other parts of south america but they also i think are a little more tough a little bit more um aggressive than than, than say perhaps um their brazilian counterparts as an example is that is that born out of you know a lot of there's a sort of italian there's a strong italian connection isn't there with with, with argentina like what what affected that sort of culture? Do you think that that enabled it to have its own sort of unique blend of style compared to some of their South American compatriots? Yeah, um, I think well, of course, as you said, Argentina has fifty percent. I mean, we are made of at least seventy percent of immigrants, uh, especially at the end of nineteen at the beginning of nineteen hundred. Uh, most of them were um, Italian, so I think today thirty to forty percent of the of the people in Argentina is related to Italians in 
in Europe. Um, me, myself, I have an Italian passport because my great-grandfather was Italian, but I don't speak Italian. I, I have nothing related to Italian but the passport. <laughs> okay. Uh, and and it, it's true what you said, you know, the Argentine, the South American football uh, has a different, um, a different flavor, but it, it's really, it's really, I think it's each country had its own. Like if you look at the South American football teams, um, you have more well, Brazil, Brazil, hard to say for an Argentinian, but probably the best election team in the history, if you adapt, you know, if you count the World Cups, just, just by, by that uh, measurement, they have five World Cups. But, of course, they are the, the, the football is very, very, uh, it's, it's a strong part of the culture, and there are 200 million people, right, in Brazil. So I always said, like, the, the, the fact that Argentina, with 40 million people, we're still, a, you know, a rival, a rival of, of Brazil with, you know, one-fifth one of the population, it's a good accomplishment because, you know, the probability of getting, you know, great players in 200 million people within 400, 400, um, four, 200 million people versus 40 million people in Argentina. And then yeah. having the two best players ever created in the history of the sport, Lionel Messi first and Maradona second. And I don't think Brazil have any of the top five because Pelé doesn't count. Anything football before 1970 doesn't count. Um, a lot of Brazilians. I, I, I didn't know Ronaldo was Argentinian, but anyway, that's uh, that's another debate for another day, I guess. Um, yeah, exactly. That I kind of agree. I kind of agree. Ronaldo should should be there, but but not over Messi or Maradona. But yeah. but going back to your question, the football in South America is tough. It's very physical, especially in Argentina. You have countries like Argentina like um, Uruguay, Chile, um, Colombia, that I think they, there is not that much talent that is in Brazil because Brazil have a lot of talented players, a lot of players with technique, Ronaldinho, Ronaldo, Romario, Bebeto, I mean, there's so many. While the other countries um, have, of course they have talented players, but they, they, they are more known for like a harsh you know, midfielder like Mascherano in Argentina or very strong defense, like today the Uruguayan defender like Godin or, or or any any of the defenders that you can think on South America, they all come from this country because I think they kind of complement a bit of the lack of talent with the the, the, the roughness. Even you play with me, I my talent is very limited, almost non-existent, but I complement it with attitude and, 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 and a hard playing, right? Like more physical. So so I think I, 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 do, I wouldn't know how to link that with the with the with the European roots because I it's, I mean, you have so much diversity in the football of, of, of Europe, but I think it's, if you have to choose one country from Europe that is more alike, uh, like South America, you know, it's all and a lot of score by a counter-attack, right? So that's more or less what I, what I would say, like, if you have to look at a country that is more similar to, to, to Except for Brazil, to the other countries would be Italy. I think Brazil is more, it's more, you know, it's kind of has its unique way of playing football. You know, the, the what it's, you know, it's well known the, the Jogo Bonito they call it. So, yeah. so I think yeah, Brazil you can kind of have it separated, and you have the rest of the countries, and the rest of the countries I, I find it more linked to the Italian way of playing. Yeah, that's quite interesting. I mean, even there you talked about Mar Maradona. I mean, I don't like to admit it, but I'm, I'm a fraction older than you, fraction. Um, but only by a couple of days. But my earliest memory is of Italia 90. So that would have made, I was six, nearly seven, as you would have been the same age. Um, and I could just remember, you know, my dad would talk about this Argentinian guy, but he was almost like a myth because in those days, t football wasn't as heavily televised as it is now. So you'd only really get to see these players on, you know, every World Cup or, you know, maybe the odd European Cup final or whatever. It wasn't, it wasn't that sort of, uh, you know, 24 hours non-stop uh, news cycles or sports shows that you can see these guys on a regular basis. So there was this real excitement when I got to see this guy. And I, I can remember, I can still see myself in front of the television watching him get beat by Cameroon in the first game and thinking, Zero. what's my dad talking about? This guy, like, I mean, I can see him getting kicked. Him and uh, it Claudio Canigia, I remember him getting beat up really bad in that game. And, um, you know, after that game, I was like, well, world champions four years ago, but they, they couldn't even beat this, you know, lowly African team. Um, what, what were some of your earliest memories? I'd imagine, you know, that, that World Cup is probably one that would stand out for you. So I think, you know, it's, it's a bit aligned with you, right? I think that maybe one of the most, the, the first memory I have with football, and I think it's because 
um, World Cups are so important in Argentina. Whenever there is a World Cup, the efficiency of the country goes down. Like people work, <laughs> especially because it depends. You don't know where the World Cup is going to be playing, and I think you know when when it's in Europe, we are six hours behind. So normally the games are at 3 p.m., 2 p.m., 4 p.m., or sometimes at 11 a.m. So when there is a, a World Cup game, people really watch it. They, 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 if it is Argentina, of course, it's, it's, it's declare a national holiday for sure. Yeah. But even if it's not Argentina, World Cup are so important and so expected that you'd realize what happened during that month so well because it's everything is so special, right? Like. You know, everyone takes holidays basically when, when there's a World Cup. Um, but even if you don't take holidays and you're working, your bosses are also watching the game. Prince um, would start to give the not Argentinian game, any game to be score. In, in the, that's how important. You know, like we're gonna give the score, just come to church. Um, and I remember the World Cup in the 1990. Um, I remember especially the, the, the semi-final where we eliminated Italy with Goicochea in penalties. Mm. I think those those uh, those moments, for some reason, I remember where I was in the living room with my brothers. With my, and then what you, do, you, what you do when you play Argentina, you just don't watch with your family. You have at least 50 people over. Or you go to a country, another place that is 50 people. So it's kind of like you're sort of in the stadium. Um, okay, what's Go, go, go. Sorry, yeah. That's okay. Uh, we, we often we often get people distracted, you know, yeah. during the middle of these interviews. We never had someone have to sign anything during them, but it's okay. I guess these these are these are the problems that you have when you when you're running your own company, right? This is this is my home office. Lead. Home office, yeah, no, I get it, no problem. And uh, and we lost on penalties, you know. So I remember watching that and going to bed crying and being like, "Oh my gosh, this is a disaster!" And um, you know, obviously not making a World Cup final was was just in my house. I was an absolute nightmare. But I mean, your tears came a few days later, right? When when you were unable to um, to beat the West Germans. I mean, I, I'm sure you probably remember that game too. I remember that game pretty well, and, and we don't have a very good story with Germany in the World Cups, unfortunately. Since that time, I think Germany eliminated. 1990 was Germany. They eliminated us in 2000. It was two more times. 2006, they eliminated in the final of 2014, and they eliminated in the quarterfinals of 2014. So they eliminated three more times after that one. Yeah, I mean, England's not much better. We get beat by the Germans all the time, too. So, yeah, <laughs> I think the English record's probably a lot worse, to be honest with you. But, no, it's, it's interesting because, you know, now it's completely changed. And, you know, I, I, I sort of want to bring you towards the more sort of recent times because I know, like you said, I know you've, you've been to many different countries, many different jobs. I mean, we talked about it before. You know, you, we both worked in recruitment in a, in a previous life or in, or in that sector. So... I actually don't know this story. Like, I don't know how you ended up here in the Philippines. Like, how, how did you end up? Obviously, I know you moved from country to country, but how did you end up here on this island? So basically, you know, my previous job, um, I was being sent to different countries for four to six months, and we were building sort of country reports. Um, so I was, I was for different magazines or newspapers, and they normally send a team of three people. Um, and then I was living mostly, most of my, my, my career there was in Africa, the Middle East, the Caribbean. And then they said, okay, you will start in, in, in the Philippines now. And it was already my sixth year that I was traveling nonstop like that. So at the beginning it's fun, but after six years, you really like, you don't know where, you, you don't have a postal code. Like if you want to send me a letter, you don't know where to send me a letter. Um, so when I came to the Philippines, I was already kind of done with it. And, and then I really, you know, fell in love with the Philippines really, really fast. After two months, I was thinking, this can be the place where I can settle because I definitely didn't want to go back to Argentina. It's very hard to leave Argentina once you leave. You know, it's, it's hard because it's so far, but once you get used to leave and you're outside, you're like, okay, let's try to, to, to extend as, as much as possible before going back. Um, and yeah, and I decided to start LMTM. My dad came here to visit because I asked my dad, dad what do you think if I live here? So he came here with my mom, visit, see, if it was things to be done from from the business perspective, more from agriculture, um, and yeah, the rest is history. I, I stayed. I decided to stay with my job, uh, and I met my wife, and 
and after I met my wife, the rest is yeah, very well documented. After you met your wife, we we all know how that how that went. Um, but but like you said, one of the first things you did, obviously, was get involved with with football. And I I, I mean, I first met you in 2013, and by that time, you were already involved with with Kaya, which is obviously the club that I've been involved with for a number of years now. How, how did you end up in Kaya? How, how did you end up playing on that on that team? Okay, so it was my at that time girlfriend who who brought me to because I was asking football, 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 and then. She introduced me to, at that point, was Santi and Aneta. And Santi said, okay, come and do trials uh, in Polo Club by Wednesday. I don't know which day it was. So I go there. The first thing I the first person I meet is Cutillas. I don't know if you, you remember. Kutillas. Yeah, yeah, I remember Kuto, yeah. Um, so Kuto, you know, speaking Spanish. So it's like, okay, this is perfect. It's like, I didn't know how serious this was, right? Right. What, what was your what was your perception of it? Like, what did you think you were getting yourself into? Did you think you were just getting into like a recreational team, or did you know that no, this was no, something no. that was going to be like semi-professional, professional? No, no, I never thought professional, professional. I never wanted professional. I never played professional in my life. <laughs> yeah, like I'm, I'm not, I'm not the best of my group of friends, right? I'm like, imagine. So, so I always maintain myself quite fit. So I always say like, okay, I want to play some, you know, competitive, right? I wanted to to be able to run. I don't want to play like you know the Sunday league. Um, but of course, not, not not professionally. And then I arrived, and then Kuto was there, and I said, "Whoa, hi, I'm Nico. And he said, "Okay, is he the coach? Okay, he's a coach. That was already a big, a big thing. Like he's a, a coach. Big upgrade. <laughs> yeah, it was like, it's, it's like so. I was asking, so what, what what else do you do? No, I'm the coach. What do you mean you're the coach? Yeah, I just coach. This is my job. Oh shit, this is a real coach. Then I thought you know like how people coach teams for fun. It happens all the time. You have like yeah. tournaments, and this is a coach, but the coach is one of the friends." I said, okay, so he's the coach. And then, um, so okay, let, let's play. And it was, it was at least, it was at the very beginning. So the season was not even starting. So we were like playing a small games in, in Polo Club in the baseball, in the baseball pitch. So I was playing and I was like, and because it's a small pitch, you cannot really, you know, the 7-11, sorry, the 11 side players in small pitch, they, you, you cannot see how good they are, right? They're like when you, mm. when you play with someone and, you know, in a big pitch and, and, and there you see, okay, this is different. But when it's a small pitch, less spaces, you know, I was running and crushing everyone. And it's like, okay, it's like, of course, it was, this is super high level, but I think it, it was okay. And then he said, okay, when do I start? No, what do you mean, when do you start? You have to do the trial. What do you mean trial? This is I just, oh yeah, you have to do a trial. I said, what do you mean trial? Say, yeah, the next trial is this. I said, so I'm in trial for, for a team. Yes, okay. So he started doing the trial. And then the next time we play in UMAC, and then it was an assistant coach, and it was uh, it was um, there were you know the, the beefs, and it was like this is pretty professional. And then we played for the first time in the big pitch in UMAC. And then what I saw Anton, Nate was at the time there, Ali. Um, so then you see these guys play really play. It's like yeah, national team players. Yeah, exactly. But because UMAC was never so even the pitch, you remember UMAC, right? Mm -hmm. um, Still, sometimes you think, okay, I think because it's, it's it's not like a super perfect pitch where you know the best players will will be highlighted even more. So okay, I mean, and of course it was training. Nobody was playing hundred percent except for me that I was giving it all. Um, and then you know this trial, 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 and then we start becoming friends. So you know we start talking, and then they explain this is first edition. And I said the first thing I said, I went to 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 the coach and I say. Please let me pay. And please let me play. I don't need to get paid. I just want to play. So the moment I, I want to say, okay, I will not cost money to the team. It's just I think that that was that was the thing. And then I think the coach saw that I was good for the for the group because I was you know I'm a pretty funny guy and pretty sociable guy, right? So yeah. I, was, yeah. I was making everyone laugh. So I, I think I became you know part of the uh, of the team already. And I say, like, I mean, it would have been sad to kick me out of the team and then I just stay and then start playing. So what, what year was this? What year was this? So this is 2011. I arrived okay. in the Philippines May 2011, um, and I think the league started. Enough, if I'm not remember, August. Oh, August yeah, September. it was going to be. I was saying September maybe, maybe because yeah, I remember August. coming. The first time I met you or saw you was I came back that year for the LA Galaxy game, which would have been December, and you were playing on that higher team. So I think you got beat by Global in the Cup. 
So that was the first time I I yeah. met you, right? So that would have been your first season. You're right. Yeah. So sort of maybe August September 2011, some of that would have been your first season. Yes. 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 Yeah. Yes. Correct. And what did That's... you What did you think What did you think of the level? Because that was really the start of when people started to come then from from you know South America, from Europe, from yeah. different parts of the world, and actually converge on the Philippines to try to see it as a professional um, professional outlet for them. So I think I got it right before it became super professional. So I think, you know, when you came in and then when we start playing together, that was already way better. I think that was at that time when 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 you guys were, I think you 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 beat Vietnam in the Suzuki Cup that year. Mm -hmm. it, it 2010, was, yeah. When the, the year before, so it's still when football was timing and, um, and of course, uh, um, yeah, the both of the young husbands, everyone was starting to come back. This Angel, uh, Angel um carly all the spaniards mm -hmm. also were coming so it, that's what we was starting so so the level was great i think i think it's i think it's uh, for me i never had the, the the talent to to play in the sense of like of course talent wise it was big gap between between the way i play and whoever else was playing in the league um and I think I was trying to complement or, or to, to to fill that gap with extra you know physical and and to be super fit and trying to run as much as possible and tackle as much as possible. So, but I always felt um, thankful and lucky to be able to share that because I think I will never thought that the best year of the best football memories of my life coming from Argentina would have been in the Philippines. And I think you know. The Kaya time, especially, was was were great, great memories, and I think it's a, it. I always treasure those moments, and I always remember. And I think it's it, it, it's it's you know my my friends, uh, they still cannot believe that I play first division. And they, actually, there is a this is the, the fun, very funny thing. It's the there is a book that it comes every year in, in Argentina with all the Argentinians playing abroad, right? So okay. you open this book, and you have um, Spain, you have Lionel Messi, all of them, you have it. And then Philippines, and it was my name there. No way. That happened. I showed it to all my friends, and I said, "You know, guys, um, I, I cannot play with you anymore when I go back to Argentina because I'm a professional. So, you know, I'm, I'm afraid to get injured uh, playing. You know, because we normally play five a side, and I only play eleven a side professional, so I cannot play it. This is the book, and of course, my friends were laughing in my head because literally they couldn't believe I was playing first division here because I'm not the best out of my friends." Um, but I'm the, I'm, the, I'm the most fit, or the fittest, I don't know how to say. And, and the book doesn't lie. If you're on the same book as Lionel Messi, it's yes, as good lie. as being Exactly. I play first division, I'm a professional player. I cannot. I cannot. You, can't, I you can't change that. No, I, I agree. Like, I mean, obviously, like, I, I looked at you. I mean, I think my first sort of two or three months, I ended up from going from player to coach. And I remember speaking to management and being like, listen, I know this guy works and he's a, he's a farmer, really, and he's not the best player, but we need to keep him around because exactly that. Like, you just, you had this infectious personality. And again, I can't emphasize this enough. This is before Nico the celebrity. You were just this funny Argentinian guy who, you know, he looked good in a, in a tight uniform. You know, you, you didn't have so many gray hairs then. And uh, but you had but every training session, it was 100 percent. Like sometimes it will be a problem because there'll be times when you were going and like you'd, you'd be taking people out, you know, like and people would be like, well, you know, it's just, a, you know, it's just a rondo or it's, it's, it's just a warm up and you're going like, full steam. But like for me and how I like to do training, like I was always like I always thought I was a good trainer like, and I wanted to make sure that people were 100 percent in training, because I think if you train hard. In practice every day, the game's going to be easy on the Saturday or whenever you played. So like, I really like that. I really admired that about you. And I, and I think, especially when you factor in, you were different to some of the other guys because you were then going, you were getting up at like four in the morning, doing six a.m. training, and then going to do a full shift at work. You know, it, that, I mean, thinking back, that's ridiculous. Like, how how did you manage to maintain that? But like you said, we had a really good team. Like, not just in terms of players, but really good camaraderie, really good players, like uh, good people. And um, and it was just a fun time to to, to be around um, the game at that time. What what were some of your sort of personal highlights in in that period, that sort of 2011 2012 season when you when you were playing in the UFL? So I, I think you know the the, the most the, the treasure that I that I take from it is is you know people friendship like you like like you or Antonio you know, people like you know because I 
I think if you, if you think today what are the friends that I made in the Philippines, football play a key role. Um, second is to have some of my goals in YouTube, so I can you know put YouTube and show my goals to to every single Sweet. person talking about football. That's that's also so being, being televised was also actually something something that I always you know every time I talk about football. Oh yeah, by the way, I used to play football. Let, let me Google Miko Kaya Green Archers goal. And this is my goal that I scored. One of, was I that scored. the only goal? Was that the only goal that's on? I scored two. I, I scored against Air Force, a header, and I scored against um, Green Archers, a goal that I started in my own area, and I went through the whole pitch and pitched it with my left, with my left uh, from outside the box. Okay, listen, you don't have to lie. You know this is being recorded, right? You don't have to lie saying that you scored a goal with your left foot. I've seen your left foot, right? There's absolutely... No you said I mean this is the truth because I'm going to go and I'm going to go and put this into YouTube later. Put Green Archers, Kaya, Nico Bolsico goal, and yeah. this this is summary of the game. Uh, I think it's in the second, in the minute two or three is when my goal is. It's after Eddie Magliari missed a shot. That sounds goal. that sounds feasible. That's, yeah, that yeah, bit that sounds feasible. The right. left foot shot that you just spoken about does not sound no, believable. I, so okay, I never talk about that goal actually. So it's not the first time. So um, okay, I started from my own box. And I, I run pretty much straight and I go to two to three players, all straight, and I reach the ball, the, the other box. When I'm in the other box, I miss it in UMAX. So the ball is not like, yeah. it's pretty bouncy, right? So when I'm in the other box, I'm completely exhausted. And I see who was, I think it was Anton, because I was, I was playing left, left right back. So Anton was the, was the right back. So he, he ran all the way. So I tried to cross it. <laughs> and it was Nate. It was Nate. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that sounds a bit more believable. Yeah. yeah. And then he went over the keeper and it was an amazing goal. I think, um, yeah, it was Nate because we celebrated like this with Nate after, like, baby because Nate, his brother just had a baby. So yeah, it was Nate. Um, and yeah, they scored that goal. And, uh, and the game before, I have scored a header against Air Force. And the game after, we played against army and they almost got a header and then i got a red card and from there my career started going down okay i believe those other ones i can believe you scored a header against the air force that's believable i can believe you got a red card you talking that you're gabriel batistuta i'm not that's not believable so i'm gonna have to i'm gonna google that later and just verify that story because it doesn't sound believable to me I'm going to see a link so you don't forget to google it please i would love to see the link we'll put it in the show notes and make sure that everyone sees that it's not a televised, it was not televised, it was someone recording, right? So it's not that good quality. I know. Or maybe that sounds like something you might edit on iMovie, you know. <laughs> <laughs> that would be probably more believable. I mean, maybe you had some professional people do it, but I'll have to check it out for myself because it doesn't sound true. But um, I mean, that, that time though was very different because, I mean, listen, you, you've been, obviously you didn't play so much thereafter. You kind of dabbled and went back and forth, did the weekend football league stuff, but you, you dabbled. Um, with football that's that was the really i would consider the pinnacle even though i wasn't here i didn't come until 2013 but even i remember going to watch i was watching those those games on youtube or the highlights on facebook at umac and like i said it was televised there were three four thousand people in the stands and then obviously when we progressed to the bikini hill venue those games were packed there was real excitement you know we, we would go down there and just watch a game on a tuesday or a thursday night it didn't matter who it was we would just go watch because we'd all hang out there there was a great atmosphere you know um I know you, this is not necessarily as involved with it, but what, what do you think about sort of the difference between those days and what we find ourselves in now? I mean, you, you've been involved with the game. Like, what are some of the things that you've identified as being reasons as to why things have sort of had a, a, a downward trajectory in the last few years? So, so as I said, when I was playing and I was actually, actually playing Kai in 2011, I think it was the, 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 the turning point where things really became, became more professional. When you came, you know, with you and all that, it became much more professional, better, better players, more players coming from abroad. And, and it's what you said, you have people coming to the stadiums, you were fan base. So things were like, for me, in my head, I was like, I will tell my kids in 20 years, when football is huge in the Philippines, that I was playing the last year before this really should up. So I, I, I stay, I stay involved actually with you in Kaya and mostly without playing much, but just being part of it because it's such yeah, an yeah. amazing, I mean, for me, football is, is not only amazing to play because it's a workout, but also it's amazing because it's a team, you know, it's a team sport that 
you know, makes you understand how important it is to play with, you know, to support each other, to play with friends and all that. But it's also the people that comes to watch and everything around football. It's so, it's so beautiful. And I think it's such a, and I think the Philippines had such a potential to be a football country, more than a basketball country, right? Um, but to be honest, I don't know what happened. Um, because after it didn't explode as I expected. I don't know. I mean, I have this discussion many times, and, and, and I don't have that much information on on, on, on on what was going on. But I think um, when I look at Argentina or any other or any other country, um, the football are the fans, right? Fans is what football it's about, um, and you can see today. You know, when you play last night the Champions League game, when you see Barcelona playing with no fans, it's like it's like watching a practice game. I mean, there is there is a lot of missing, right? So. And, and and I think in in in, in the Philippines um, the fan base was growing and growing and growing and growing and more people was getting involved and and suddenly it slowed down at one point and then I, after you know 2014 and 15 I was less involved and less I mean I was just staying in touch with you guys but not not much with, with the teams more than you know nomads or like you know the the, the other teams that are not that uh, much they are playing the Alaska Cup or things like that. So I, I really don't know. I mean, at one point I thought maybe it was because in Argentina, if you look at it, the fan base comes from geographical locations, right? So I support my, my team in first division because they're from my province. And everyone in the city is either from Colón or Union, but because we're all from there. And it's like super strong attachment. And it's, it's you know, it's where you come from. And in Argentina, all the, all the teams are distributed per, per provinces. And most of them are in Buenos Aires, but in Buenos Aires, it's huge. So you have different neighborhoods. So each each club have a fan base from those particular places. So one point I was thinking, okay, so maybe because it did happen, right? That is where to to geographical areas after, but at the same time you needed sponsors because without sponsors, how can a team pay twenty two people to fly to Davao and stay over to Davao? So I don't know what was the the, the chicken and the egg story there, but I, I it was something that was missing, and I, um, I still believe. I mean, after the pandemic, for sure. I still believe there is so much to do, and there's so many people like like you uh, who who can make a big difference in football. But I think we should get support from the bigger guys. There is people willing to 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 do it. There are people willing to to, to work for it and that can implement. Um, but I don't know if we may need to 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 work on 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 getting you know companies more involved because you have a lot of companies like uh, PLDT or Globe or them. They support basketball teams, volleyball teams, but only a few support football teams, right? I mean, if food, if, if they start supporting more like, okay, this is my football team, because at the end of the day, in, 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 the, in the league, you have well, Meralco was a team, so each of, each of the uh, LBC was, was Kaya. So I think maybe that part should, 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 should continue or they should get more involved or, 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 or I'm, I'm not 100% sure, but I, I do think there is still a big opportunity because especially... I mean, you, you see it in the academy, right? How many kids and, and parents and all that they want to bring, you know, kids to play football? And how yeah. amazing is the environment? When I see you in the academy, when I go in McKinley Hill, in McKinley Hill Village, in McKinley Hill Stadium, um, when I enter there, you see the kids playing, that is awesome. You see the parents around in a super nice environment, everyone cheering. I see, you know, I think last time I saw you there, one of the teams that were, I think were eight or nine years old, the kids, they score a goal, and when they score a goal, and they all coming together and hug each other, and you know that type of bonding that you don't generate outside of a football pitch. Um, I, I still, I still think that it's, there is a massive opportunity for football in the Philippines, and it's a matter of of maybe everyone, you know, getting together and aligning and say, okay, this is the bigger, the biggest, this is a bigger objective, this is a bigger vision, is to develop football in the Philippines. Why? Because we want to football to include more kids, kids from, from different neighbors that may be able not to afford it. And they can they can start playing. And you know they, they can see football sometimes also as hope. So I think there is a bigger picture that they should see in, in football. And it's a matter of all the different parties to get aligned and say, okay, you know what? We're gonna get together. We we, we have a clear objective for, for for the Philippines football. And it's all you know pull the same road. And I think that's maybe what I don't know if you I, I was not really involved in, in, in that part, but I think it's I mean, people is here, I mean, to, to do this. Yeah, no, I agree with you. Like, it's, it's quite interesting that you mentioned about, you know, growing up in Argentina and like your experience as a young kid, like mine was similar. 
you know, we didn't go, we didn't have bleachers or, or seats. We was we stood on the, t we call it terraces, the same thing. So the, the concrete steps, basically, and you'd all go together. And, and you can't recreate that atmosphere in any other setting. Football, really, maybe a music concert, maybe that's the only other one. But, re but even a music concert, it, there isn't that sense of community. You know, you're, you're, you're there to see an artist or you're there to see a performer. But like you said, with that with football, you're with people who are from your town and often you go with family members and that, that, that bond and that community is forged. And the manifestation of that is the guys that are playing on the pitch. And I think that obviously because of the, exactly as you said, the geographical makeup makes it quite difficult so that we have to try to find a different way. One of the things that someone was talking to me about the other day was he was saying about like in America, in, in America, like, a lot of fans will follow the player and you nothing illustrates that more than the recent um, basketball championships i've never seen so many la lakers fans in in all my life right but it's not the lakers it's lebron so they all follow lebron right or they hate lebron whatever it is but that's really where the the affinity comes from is from the player and we had an opportunity with that i think with with our group uh, when we all came in there was a lot of big personalities and you could have followed the personalities but the fan experience just wasn't great. McKinney Hill was good. I thought McKinney Hill as a fan experience was pretty good. But once we started to go to Rizal, you know, it's quite far. It's yeah. it's a little bit, you know, you're not going to take your wife and kid to Rizal, you know, unless you've got a couple of bodyguards, you know. It's, it's not, you know, I'd say you're not going to park up and walk to the venue, are you? So I think that's where we, we perhaps missed a trick with that. And it's going to take a lot of work to try to cultivate that, to, to, re-engage those people who have probably been burnt before and it's only that then is when those companies are going to get back involved again you know if they see packed stadia if they're going to see people yeah. in the in the crowds they're going to see kids going to games of course companies are going to get involved you know more than anyone people will get involved if people see uh, yeah you know that, that, that there's a little bit of traction there so no i, I totally agree I, I would love to see a better fan experience but and, and you sort of touched upon it there i mean we're both parents now and you know i want to see that landscape change for my kids. Do you know what I mean? I'd like to see them have a have the opportunity to play in a in a, in a more progressive football environment because, like you said, we know what it's like. You know, we've yeah. seen what it's like when it's really passionate and when it's really uh, involved with the community. Um, I just want to try to recreate that here. So that brings me on to my next question. Now, you, you've you've got a daughter. You're a father now. Is she going to be a footballer? Do you think? Would you Would you like to see her play? Play yeah, the sport? So I'm going to confess, if you asked me this question maybe 10 years ago, I would say, no, no, football only for boys. My girl will play something else. Today, after, especially in the Philippines, when I see the academies and you see the girls playing, it's amazing. It's amazing. And then again, they say 100% yes is the answer. She will play football. I mean, if she wants. Uh, I, want her, I won't force her to, to play, but I'm going to take her there maybe 10 times until she says yes um but you see you see how the the you know like the girls play was i was watching a lot of the you know when we played the the seven study in mckinley in, in mckinley hill stadium before that you have the girls playing and all that so i was mm -hmm. watching um the girls and i was like oh this is awesome and i definitely want my my daughter to come and play not only just because of the sport and all that but it's what you said the, the experience that the, the uh, you know being part of a team the bonding the the passion and like you know like and then i saw one girl scoring and she went running and hugged the dad and that was it and so so my daughter was gonna play football like this you like this on the side yeah. and i'm gonna be there and i'm gonna be like that waiting for her to score so so yeah definitely definitely i think it's it's it's, it's it, it would be great for for her also to 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 be able to 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 have that to have like you know be that sense of belonging right you you belong it's what you said in basketball they follow the players uh, in football you don't i mean in argentina they say you, you, some you can change everything in your life except for your football club right so in argentina i support one club and it doesn't matter the player it doesn't matter, it's the club who you support right so it's like it's a sense of belonging and and of course like you i hope you know and, and i always said that i'm always willing to to to, to contribute to help to for the development of football because um I want my daughter to, to experience it because it's great. I mean I mean and 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 it would be really sad if, if you know there's no opportunity for her to be able to to play football. Yeah. No, I, I agree, mate. And I think whenever she's of the right age, how old is she now? She's she was January one, so she's gonna be ten months in ten days. 
Is she walking yet? Um, no. No, no, no. no. No, so yeah, but my, my two boys started walking. The girls normally walk a little bit earlier. But my two boys started walking at about 13 months. And with my eldest, with Nico, uh, maybe that's a story for, for later on, but with Nick with Nico, he um yeah, he was in at about 18 months we put him in. And uh yeah, going back to your story about maybe 10 times, our eyes to force him to go. <laughs> uh, and the first first year it was like, oh my gosh, he hates it. And if I can't convince my own kid to go to my own academy, I'm, I'm, in, I'm in trouble. Right? <laughs> so, so basically, my advice to you is, yeah, maybe between 18 months to two years, you should maybe start to, to give it a chance to go. But um, it's a really good book, actually. You should read it. It's, it's called Football Starts at Home by a guy called Tom Bayer. And it's about uh, how a lot of these superstar players, unfortunately, they talk a lot about Brazilians in it, but a lot of them start with, um, they just leave balls around their house as kids. So there's just balls, you know, it doesn't have to be a soccer ball. It could be a tennis ball. It could be, and they just learn to kick. They learn to throw it. They learn to, you know, like roll it with the sole of their foot, whatever. And then they just, that's, that's how, that's how they learn. I mean, maybe your wife's a bit more particular about the house looks. I've got, I've got broken stuff all over my house. So yeah, that's, that's just how it is with me. Um, I saw Nico playing and he's insanely good, eh? He's pretty good. Yeah, he's all right. He's all right. Yeah. Good, eh? Yeah, he's he might, all right. Maybe the name. Yeah, he's right. maybe it is the name. Maybe it is the name. But um, the, uh, look, I want to be mindful of your time. I know you got. I know you got to shoot off and pick up your daughters. There's just a couple more things I want to ask you, which is a lot of young kids that actually listen to to the show, uh, and a lot of the people that we've had on have obviously been professional players, um, former professionals, coaches. But you're you're completely different. You're completely different to the type of individual that we've had on this show. Um, I mean. Listen, you'll say you play professionally, but there we go. You've already you already told us that, you know, you, although you're in the book, maybe not as professional as some of the other guys. <laughs> to be honest with you, I don't really consider myself professional either. Um, but uh, when a lot of these kids are growing up, you know, they, they look at football as, as an outlet, as an opportunity um, for not just, you know, learning about football per se, but about learning lots of other different life skills that they can utilize in school, in their relationships, in business or work, whenever they decide to pursue their their careers, like what what are some of the key things that you think that you learn through football that have enabled you to be successful in your professional life, in your celebrity life, uh, modeling life, whatever life you lead these days? Um, I think I think football is is much more than just a sport. Um, uh, first, as as you know, as a, as a, your personality when you play football, and 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 the first thing you need to understand when you play football, it, it's it's a team sport. Uh, I mean, there's only one Lionel Messi that can make it different by himself. But you play with another ten players, and it's about how you play as a unit, not as as you know, as a, as a one as a one block, not as a one player, right? So. I think that collaboration in between, you know, to, to support your, your 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 teammates. If he goes up, you cover him, or that communication that you need to have a lot. So I think it's you know about about supporting uh, your teammates, communicating that I think is so important. Like something that I learned when, especially here in the Philippines, is talking in the in the in the field. Communicating is so key in the field. Like you know, like, and that applies in life, right? Communicating is key for your marriage, for your job, for your friendship, for everything. So like. Communicating is so important. Um, also, from a physical perspective, it's. I think football is the only workout that I don't hate. I hate to work out. I work out pretty almost. Really? Is that true? I never do that. Uh, I never do that. I I, I, I I hate to work out. I work out pretty much every day. Like, <clears throat> I mean, I run and I do push-ups and I do, uh, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm doing, you know, these videos workout and all that. But do I enjoy it? No. I do it because I know I'm going to be healthier and I'm going to feel better after and I'm going to have a better day. And it's because I'm going to, you know, I want to be able to keep, you know, playing football till I'm 60, if ever. And, and you do work out because you want to, you know, I want to be able to play with Tilan till I'm you know, 80, if ever. But do I enjoy running or doing push up? No, I, I completely hate it. <laughs> but 100%. Do I enjoy playing football? I love it. It's not a workout for me, but it's the same result as a workout. So every time you play football, it's such a good workout in the sense that you're, you're like sprinting, you know, it's a lot of sprinting stuff. It's like, it's, it's really good for your body, of course. There, there may be some injuries, but you need to be careful with that. But it's really physical. It's amazing because you're having fun and you're doing something that you have to do for your health. 
and you enjoy it, right? So that's to um, and I think also like a bit of, of, of loyalty, right? In football, um, that we see that less today in football as it is, you know, with all this social media and the teams today and players going back and forth and these big contracts and you know a lot of you know all 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 this money. I mean, I, I remember my dad telling me stories about you know. Like, I think there is this. What is this movie? It's not this series in Netflix about football, about the Scottish guys that went to England to play when football was not professional yet. Yeah, yeah, the English game. Okay. The English, English game. game. Okay, so so that's an amazing movie to watch. Actually, very good, very good. We love football, but I think you know it's that sense of loyalty that maybe we don't see now with the big stars that that changed a little bit. But that sense of loyalty of belonging to 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 somewhere to a place. It's also something that you learn through through a sport uh, like football. And me, I also see football as a way of sharing, right? So some of the best memories I have with my family, especially with my dad, my brothers, and my friends, is because of football. I do remember watching games together at the World Cup. I do remember going to the stadium. Or every time I go back to Argentina, we have a full day with all my childhood friends where we do a barbecue, we play football, we drink, we play football again. And it's like football is always part of what you're doing. And, and makes your day even better, right? So it's kind of like a, a, a way of, 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 of making memories better, right? So I have a lot of good conversation with my dad and it's on my way going to the stadium <laughs> or during the halftime or waiting there. Or like, you know, it's, it's, it's really a bonding moment that, that you get that I think it's, it's something that you, you, don't, you don't get much. And also like when I meet someone, like, you know, like a, a way of, of, of a, you know, when you when I I, I uh, the other day I met someone that the other day <laughs> was maybe two years ago uh, <laughs> in in the U.S. in L.A. and it was someone that I met that is like that because it was a friend of so it was the the boyfriend of a friend of Solen, and I was like oh my god why am I gonna talk to this guy I I, I, I didn't feel like like uh, like doing small small talk and then he comes hey I'm Nicola. He put his phone there, and the first thing is a Manchester United logo in his in his, in his um, phone. I was like, "Oh, you like football?" He was British, by the way. Oh yeah, the moment he liked football and he knew about football, we spoke the whole night. I did, I forgot Solène and her friend were there. We were like completely going off about like it's something that you enjoy so much, and then you know, you know, indirectly you become close to that person. It's because you're sharing that passion. That passion, yeah. I think it's, it's a word that is it's very strong. That. When you love the game so much, I mean, regardless of how you play, the kick you play, but also like if you enjoy it and if you see that's more as a sport, I mean, it, 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 it's a way to getting close to anyone so easily. That's why I think when you meet with someone that um, that likes football, it's so much easier for me eh? because I, I I love it so much to, to you know to 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 get closer. So yeah, I mean, in a, in a nutshell, I think football it, it's really like. It's more than a sport. It, it helps you with education. It helps you with, with your personality. It helps you with friendship. It helps you with memories. It helps you with family. I think it, it's something that that it, it's great. And in Argentina, football is also a way of giving hope to to, to people. Like there's a lot of, especially the the, the some neighborhoods that you know there's, there's a lot of poverty in Argentina. And you know when there is people trying to help there, they do it through football because football is always a game of of people get hope, right? So. Maybe that kid that will start playing football when he's young, he won't be a, 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 a professional football player and we won't make million. But because of football, he will end up going to school, right? So it's football what mm -hmm. brought him. It's football what made him grow as a person. And thanks to football, he will, he he won't, he goes to school or and then university and get an education. But before football, you would never got got that kid from the street, right? So it really goes beyond, and I um, and maybe it's because I love football. I don't know how it's with other sports, with rugby. I don't know to be honest, but I do know how it's with football, and and I think it's a, it's something that I see such a good match for the sport in the Philippines, and and that's why I'm always a super supportive when anything that I have to do with football to to support it and to try to to push it and 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 be able because I think it can make a difference in the society beyond just being a sport, beyond the sponsor, beyond anything else, but it can't, like another great example, and, and it's a priest from <coughs> Argentina. Remember that the two kids from the priest from Argentina that I sent to the academy? Yeah, yeah I remember, yeah. So he had the, the, he has a football team in Malabon, and it's basically kids, 
and he's an Argentinian priest that now moved to Canada, unfortunately. But he created this team where what he does is he have a team and the kids that come and play, they they get food that day. And then, of course, through donations, they get clothes and, 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 and things like that. But what he was telling me is I got when I, I started this, you know, the kids were have no hope. They have absolutely, you know, like they were just kids on the street, right? And now when you see them, they come on time, they have to be there on time, they have to practice, they have discipline, they have friends, they have family, they call them family, they they play games against other teams, so they have a belonging to one to one team. And a lot of them start, you know, going to school. And then when you see that someone that can sponsor, I, I, I was, you know, when I put, I, I help, you are going to help them because you see there is a way, like, it's not like, you know, sometimes when you want to donate something, I want to give the money somewhere, where does my money going to go? Like, is it going to be, but when you see that, that is a, so much progress, of course you want to help. Yeah. And what, the, what is the glue, the, 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 the link of it? It's playing football. These kids love to go there and play football. So everything they do is because they love the sport. And the sport is giving them so much more. A lot of them are already going to school. I think it started maybe seven years ago. So um, I was introduced to him by my another Argentinian friend, uh, Federico Krause. Um, and it, it's crazy. And it's a small community in Malabon. Uh, they play in, in, La, in La Salle, in, in, in Malabon, La Salle. So if you can replicate that to the country, how much can you help? Yeah. How much? So yeah. I totally agree with you, mate. Like the, the more I've got along this journey as a, as a player and then as a coach, like really the most important thing I, I think are exactly those two things, the relationships that you build along the way and the memories that you create through those relationships. They're the two things you, you, you really remember. I mean, yeah, I do remember some games. I do remember like the lifting of the trophies, but exactly what you said, the, the best memories that I have are the train journeys going to the games or you yes. know after a good victory like you and your friends you get into the back of your dad um and you're aware you know the, the car's all dirty but you don't care or, or you're wet or you're cold you know you don't, it doesn't matter because you're together um and that and that's something that i i hope that you know coaches that listen to this or kids that uh, are, are playing obviously not playing right now but have played the sport just understand that and it goes so quickly you know it does go so quickly um and you just got to enjoy those moments as best you can. So if you're a parent of a kid, you know, that's on this journey now, just try to support them and cherish those moments and try not to miss them. Because I think you, 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 everyone's so busy trying to do the next thing or focus on the next game or focus on their work or be on their phone or whatever. I think they're missing those moments. And exactly, exactly what you said, the best moments I had growing up were, were those it was linked to football. It might not necessarily actually be the football, but it's the other stuff that are around it that I totally agree football, with. Football is the excuse. Right? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. Nothing else to happen, right? Yeah. I mean, it's, the excuse is to go and play that uh, when you took that train. Okay, the excuse to go to that place is to go and play football. Of course, you love football. But the whole journey before and after the game, it's, it's also part of, of, of the game. Yeah, exactly. Well, listen, I've really enjoyed, I could talk with you for hours, as you know, but and today's excuse was I get to speak to you because I want to talk about football. But really the excuse is I just wanted to hang out with you for an hour because we don't get to do that very often because we're both busy parents now. But I, I really appreciate your time. Thanks for coming on. Uh, you're a great teammate when we played together, but you're a good friend. I wish I could see you a lot more, but I really appreciate you coming on the show and uh, giving your insights onto Argentinian football, your personal, professional career and everything else beyond that. So, so thank you very much, buddy. I really appreciate it. Okay, brother, thank you so much. And I will tell you something I didn't, I never told you, but I want to thank you for everything you're doing for, for football. I think we need more people like you. I never seen someone that professional and disciplined and, you know, whatever, something that you have that maybe not necessarily a lot of people might, might, might appreciate, but I, it's like you, you, you have no BS. You come and you say what it is, how it is, and you cut through and, and, and there's no BS. And you know, sometimes people get show with that, but in the long term, that's the people you need involved in order for this thing to happen. And I think that's something that I really appreciate about you a lot. And, and I do appreciate everything you're doing for the sport and please don't stop doing it. And I will give you officially my full support in whatever you need towards the sport. I'll do it today publicly so you can you know, knock my door. You, not your brother, you. Just me.
Just yeah. me. I, I, I appreciate that. Yeah, my full support, and, and I would back you up in, in anything you, you will do for the sport in the country. That's a rigging endorsement. I appreciate that, pal. Thank you. Thank you very much. So, listen, guys, uh, if you if you like our content, if you enjoyed this episode, please make sure you subscribe to us on YouTube, uh, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and Twitter. Um, but Nico Rosico, thank you so much for joining us on this Football Friday. We really appreciate it.